podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carol Matchett. How are you, sir? Confused, bemused, but mostly okay. How are you? I'm annoyed. Hmm. I'm very annoyed. I'm still annoyed after Monday. I'm annoyed that Matthias Nunez is on his way to Wolves. I'm just generally annoyed in general. Um, But other teams have been doing transfers, and what we thought we'd do today is take a look at the transfers that have taken place so far this month in the Premier League and have a bit of a chat about them and then have a bigger chat about some of the rumoured transfers that are going around, uh, in particular those by our beloved rivals in Manchester and uh, what on earth are they doing. Let's just start with the first one, Marcus Tavanier from Middlesbrough to Bournemouth for £10 Uh, had you seen much of him at Borough? What, what's your take on this one? I think it's a clever signing given they needed a right winger and he is a decent player. What's your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that this is probably a question more of a guy than myself being in his, you know, basically neck of the woods. Um, he's probably a, a regular season ticket holder sort of thing there. My my limited viewing is, is, is going to be in stark contrast to what I'm sure is Guy's up close and personal relationship with him. Guy, would you care to respond? I wasn't listening, to be honest, so I don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. We'll move on. Yeah. We'll move on. There's no point in getting bogged down. It'll be it's 20 minutes on start, the list. isn't it? Right. Right, let's move on. August 2nd, Burned Leno. We talked about this a little bit when we did the Fulham preview, but Burned Leno, Arsenal to Fulham. What do you think of this one for Fulham? Okay. Uh, I don't mind it at all in terms of it's uh, a player who we know is you know, let's say middle of the road for Premier League in terms of quality. Um, not a big fan of what they already had, as I've said. And I think it's a little bit surprising that they've so far opted to stick what they've got. I guess you can make the case that, you know, people who have earned them the promotion should get the opportunity to prove themselves, but he already has had the opportunity to prove himself and was found a little bit wanting, to be honest. So I don't think it'll be too long before Leno is in goal for them. And mm. Probably that will be a good thing in, in overall terms. I'm not a massive Leno fan. I've said this before, but he's certainly better than bottom three or four goalkeepers anyway. So that's a start. Yeah, I, I'd agree with all of that. I think he's he's solid. He's reliable. If you don't ask him to do too much, there won't be many problems. Uh, moving on, August 3rd. This is a player I haven't seen. You watch more MLS than I do. Gabriel Slalina from Chicago Fire to Chelsea. A uh, young goalkeeper, he's been loaned back to Chicago Fire. Have you seen much of him? What do you make of this kid? So, yeah, I've seen a bit of him, to be fair. Um, not Oodles, because obviously he's only had like one season in the team, but I've seen a good few games. So I, I think he's 
quite imposing for quite a young goalkeeper. Um, I've made the point before that when I watch young keepers, I do struggle to pinpoint exactly where they're going to be, you know, elite or not in later career because it's one, a long, long time before they get to that stage. And two, you can often look like a really good young goalkeeper because you're obviously got a lot more explosivity and agility at that kind of age. So your reflexes and your saves and all that, they should be top at that point. And they are for him. Uh, He's quite a big guy. Like, so he's got a really good reach. He's a bit more uh, in stature. I would say he's a bit more like, um, let's say, Petr Cech than Mendy, for example, in terms of how he moves around. I I think that's what I would compare him to more. Um, I quite like his hand and like, he looks quite, quite assured uh, most of the time when he's, coming outside of his six-yard box. I'm not sure he comes quite out far enough for me to to think that he's going to be an all-rounder, but like I say, he's only had one senior season, so presumably that's something that's going to be worked on over the coming years. And then this one on the same day, but this is a player leaving the Premier League who's been a staple of the Premier League for a long, long time. Kasper Schmeichel leaving Leicester to go to Nice. Now, I can understand that from his point of view, one last new opportunity in his career, a chance to go and live in a place that's absolutely stunning. I can see it from Nice's point of view. Uh, they lost Walter Benitez, who'd been a, a good servant for them. But I don't really get it from Leicester's point of view. He had a year left in his contract. They don't have, in my view, a Premier League caliber goalkeeper now on the books. I think Danny Ward has looked poor in the two games so far. What do you think of Kasper Schmeichel leaving and what do Leicester do now? So I, I don't mind it from Schmeichel's perspective at all. Like you say, he's been around for a long, old time. He was at the club over a decade. So I kind of, I like and agree with the fact that they've sort of, you know, said he had the right to decide his own future. I think that's a pretty decent thing to do. I noticed that they're not taking that same line with everybody else who is in demand this summer. So it makes me think that you know, they wanted just to get the bit of money in for him considering the age and they think that that's not necessarily that he's replaceable given why he was in the dressing room and everything, but certainly that the position would have been upgraded sooner or later anyway. Uh, it wouldn't outright surprise me if they brought in someone very late on in the window, but similarly, it also wouldn't surprise me that much if Danny Ward has crawled into Brendan Rogers' office on hands and knees and begged him for six months of opportunity because with Wales having the World Cup coming up, Hennessy has obviously got his place back in recently because uh, Ward had an injury towards the end of last season and wasn't playing anyway. Danny Ward was in goal at the Euros and did pretty well in the Euros uh, in terms of like you know busyness and a, being a shot stopper and having to be under siege a little bit at that time. So I'm sure he is absolutely desperate to play, what would it take, 15 games, something like mm. that. And that's probably sealed his World Cup starting spot. So I'd be stunned if Ward hadn't told him, I will literally do anything that you want in training, in the dressing room, in on the pitch, whatever it is, and give me, you know, four or five games, I'll be up to speed again. And then you've got me until January. If you don't think I've done it, by all means, go and get a new keeper. But if Leicester are, uh, let's say, being humanitarian enough to let Schmeichel pick his move, I would suggest maybe they've decided to do the same thing with Danny Ward as well. Because he's been waiting a long time for a chance, to be fair. He has. He has. I've seen some suggestions from Leicester fans online that, you know, with with Schmeichel going and there's rumours around Vardy, that perhaps Rodgers would like to clean out some of the older, more senior, potentially more dissenting voices in the ranks who may have become a little bit tired of his shtick 
and started to maybe answer back a little bit more or question things. Um, there's been nothing about that, I don't think, publicly. But we know that Rogers will throw people overboard to protect himself. So who knows? But yeah, I, I love the move for Casper. I just don't like it for Leicester. Uh, August 4th, Carney Chukwemeka. Aston Villa to Chelsea for a fee, including add-ons, of £20 million. Now, this kid is uber-talented. But his issue at Villa, the reason he was refusing to sign a new contract was that Gerard wasn't giving him opportunities in the first team. I don't see him getting opportunities at Chelsea either. Now, they've said they're not going to loan him out in this window, but I can see that coming round in January and all of a sudden he begins a series of loans because what we've seen from Thomas Tuchel this year, like look at Levi Colwell, who they could absolutely use, is that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of faith in younger players there. Which is not really anything new at that club, is it? Um, It's a bit of an odd club to pick if your priority is to be a regularly appearing young player. Now, what I will say in terms of being at Aston Villa, they have played young players and he played a dozen times last season, mostly off the bench, obviously, um, because he was not going to ever be called upon as a starter if he's not committing to the club. That's you know, a decision many, many clubs have taken well before Gerard and Aston Villa. Um, I would be willing to bet, I think he played, let's have a quick look, in fact, three, four, five, about 500 minutes in the first team for Villa last season. I'd be willing to bet he doesn't play that much for Chelsea this year. Even with the London contract and whatever promises they've made, I just don't see that happening. No, and neither do I. And I've heard from a few people that Liverpool also approached Villa about him. They were quoted this same price and they considered it. And then they spoke to him and his agent, or more prominently to the agent, and that the wages being asked for were ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous for a young player who's unproven. And I wonder if maybe he's been steered to Chelsea by his agent because that's where the money was being offered. It'd be a shame if so, because like you said, he's a real talent, but this is a very, very raw talent, we should point out. I mean, this this kid, he's a kid. He's not even in England under 21 at this point. So forget being a first team regular for a Champions League based side or most sides, in fact, in the Premier League. He's not even in England under 21. He has minimal top flight exposure mm. at the moment. Um, he has a long, long way to go. Technically, yeah, absolutely. But you can see even when he's called upon to come off the bench in certain games last season, depending on the situation of the match, he would never be first off the bench. You know, there's a good reason people like Ramsey, for example, were quite a distance ahead of him. And that's obviously the tactical understanding of the game. Um, ability, I presume, to take on board tactical instruction as well. Quite aside from the fact it's a a young person's thing that you don't understand the game quite as much. There's just not that uh, game experience and trust built up in the managers even at that point. So he's got a long way to go. So if he's got a big contract, fair play to him, but I'm with you. I don't think he's going to play a huge amount this season. Loan in January wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, I could see him ending up at Crystal Palace or Brighton on loan and potentially ending up there permanently in a couple of years. And while he may have been looking at uh, Jacob Ramsey and thinking, well, like, you know, I'm more talented than him. Why is he in the team ahead of him, ahead of me? Jacob Ramsey is two and a half years older than Carney Chukwemeka. And when he was Chukwemeka's age, he was only starting to get 
a run in the first team. So this is just comes down to, I think, a complete lack of patience from this young player who's, like we said, exceptionally talented and hopefully has a great career ahead of him. But I think he's been really badly advised. I really do. And Villa have gone out of their way at times to keep him happy. Like they signed his brother who really wasn't good enough to go to a club like Villa. They signed his brother to keep him happy. I don't think Gerard took the best approach with it by leaving him off the preseason tour. But at the same time, Gerard does seem to be trying to, you know, take a hard line with a bunch of things this summer. So it is what it is. Um, that's all from that day. Let's move on to August 5th, where there was a lot of movement. First one, Max Cornet, Burnley to West Ham. I think this is clever business for West Ham. He can be a really good backup for Jared Bowen. He can play on the opposite wing. He can also give you some cover at left back if needed. And he can play up front. I, I quite like this move. I thought he was one of the few bright spots in a, a really bad season for Burnley last year that culminated in relegation. Yeah, I, mean, I remember talking about it at the time. I think Max Cornet and Burnley are maybe the weirdest mix I can remember in Premier League history, or at least in the last 10 years or something like that. Um, completely go against the grain for everything that I know about everything about those two entities. Um, but what I would say is that I think that before Burnley signed him, obviously he had uh, maybe half a year or so when Leon were trying to play him as a wing back, basically. So while I wouldn't actually ever say he could be full back cover, certainly we've seen Moisey go to a back three. We've seen um has well, had to do it at times. It's been Cresswell at times, Masuaku as well. He'd, so he definitely is an, an offensive alternative as a wing back if they do that, go to a three again. Um, but definitely in the in the four two three one as they have pretty much bog standard now for the last year or so. Uh, um, really, really good option there, and I, I quite enjoyed him playing through the middle last year as well. So, in theory, you can play all the way across that line of three. Um, you could even somehow shoehorn all four forwards in at times if you need to with him, Skamaka, Antonio, and Bowen. So they've got a bit of depth there. I think maybe it's a little bit of an overpayment, but I guess. Yeah, seventeen and a half million is is probably about the going rate if you're bringing in any kind of forward whatsoever now. So decent pace, got skill, decent outlet for them. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a first teamer for them. Maybe not all the way through the campaign, but certainly for for mm. quite significant stretches. I prefer yeah. him to Ben Rama. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think he's more reliable than Ben Rama. I think the best of Ben Rama is probably better than the best best of Cornet. Yeah. But yeah, you good. get. Cornet's good games more often than Ben Rama's good games. Um, Shane Duffy, Brighton to Fulham on loan. He's an experienced Premier League centre-back. My assumption is he's only really going there to be depth, to be the type of fella you put on with 10 minutes to go when you're trying to hold on to a result who'll head it and kick it as far away from goal as possible. Well, I mean, it was needed, wasn't it? Because the start of the season with Tim mm. Ream playing against us, and while we were absolutely diabolical that he day, looked like Maldini that against Bobby yeah. the <laughs> I don't think they'll want him in for the entire campaign anyway. They've they've done all right to start with, to be fair, considering the minimal additions that they've made over the summer, and they've got two draws to start with. But one, Liverpool didn't turn up, and two, Wolves don't have any attackers, so I don't think that that's absolute evidence at this moment in time. Um, I imagine that he will get some games sooner rather than later, maybe the same as Leno. They're waiting for 
one big terrible defeat and then they'll make the wholesale changes kind of thing. Um, but like you say, if they bring in somebody else, then maybe he's only going to be the, the third. Um, I know you like this guy, but I think this is an overpay. Mark Cucurella from Brighton to Chelsea for £60 million, pounds, or 60, I think it was 62 and a half, including add-ons, plus the loan of Levi Colwell for a year. It's a wild overpay, let's be honest. Um, I think the Brighton deal last year for uh, the 20 release clause was really good business. I think if you'd have gone for 30 this summer, you know, that's a 50% profit for them in the space mm. of a year. That's very good business. I think it probably would have been about on par for his performances last year. Um, but, you know, the top teams and the fullbacks, you know what they like to do. Apart from us, it seems we're the only ones who sort of go quite low in that position and everyone else just seems to pay absolutely extortionate money. So yes, it's a really important position. Yes. I really, really like him. And yeah, I think he'll be a lot better as a wing back for Chelsea than he was uh, for Brighton or as a left winger for Getafe, just purely on the basis that they have better forwards. There'll be mm. a lot better movement around him. There'll be people much more capable of playing at a one, two wall passes with him so he can get behind the defense and deliver more crosses and all the rest of it. I absolutely do not buy into this, theory of him playing as the left centre-back yes okay he can play left centre-back because he's left-footed and is a defender but that's ridiculous you know it's yeah. like he's 5'8 he's 5'8 he, he has played there on occasion because he's had to but at Getafe his best performances consistently came left mid in the 4-4-2 and that's yeah. because he's a ball carrier because he has really really good delivery from wide areas and because he's aggressive tracking back but you don't want him to have to stay back you don't want him to have to be the building passer from deep. That's not what he is. So wing back, maybe he'll play at centre back a couple of times, but I'd be surprised to be honest. They obviously wanted uh, a replacement for Marcus Alonso, who is going to Barcelona. It, it just seems silly to me to spend all of this money on a, a replacement for Marcus Alonso. Now, yes, he might well be, but be- I think he's better than Ben Chilwell. But Ben Chilwell is not a bad left wing back. Ben Chilwell is probably one of the four or five or six best in that position in the league. I, It seems to me like, and I don't know your view on this, but with Chelsea this summer, it's all about splashy signings. Like, I really like Raheem Sterling. I think he's a great buy for Chelsea, but it's a splashy signing. Koulibaly, he's not what he was a few years ago. He's still very good. But again, it's a splashy signing not something you do to build long-term. And with Cucurella, I mean, everybody knew City wanted him. I think City's plan was to sort of sit on it, wait till later in the window and wait for that price to drop. Maybe he'd force Brighton's hand a little bit and Brighton might accept 40 million with some add-ons making it to 50. And Chelsea have gone, oh, well, if City want him, he must be great. So here's 60 million. Oh, and you can have our best young defender on loan. It, it just seems like they're trying to do things to make big splashes. The same reason Todd Bowley wanted to bring in Cristiano. Um, the same reason they want Frankie. Now, I think Frankie makes more sense there than he would at United. But I still don't think he's the midfielder they need. I think what Chelsea need is, is more of a Declan Rice type who can protect your defence. Um, I just, I don't really see the logic. Now, again, they're really good players that they're bringing in and they are improving the team. So I think people writing them off is a bit silly. 
I just don't know that it's very well thought out. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree to an extent. I think Sterling was a brilliant signing, to be honest, and I would have paid anything for him. I love Sterling, and he's an unbelievable player, and I think City, if anything, underused him. Um, <clears throat> so I would expect, again, a, an increase in his output this season once maybe they get the, the actual forward line sorted if they sign another striker or whatever. I think he's a great addition, no matter how you want to play. Kili Bali, I'm with you. I mean, he was much better two years ago than he was last year for sure, like a good level below, which is not to say that he can't get back to that level again, of course. Um, and I can understand that he was maybe the best that was out there, and maybe that's why they've gone for him. It is probably an overpay by maybe 30% across their entire window so far, though. You could have done better deals. You could have got mm. different players for very, very different sums of money. Um, I guess, ultimately, if it doesn't matter to them, then it doesn't matter at all. Um, there is obviously a very different way of buying and selling and recruiting at other clubs than we have here at Liverpool. And while we would not even respect, I think just acknowledge that, that there's a very, very impressive way that we go about things, there's nothing wrong with the other way, to be perfectly frank. There's if not. You if you have the money, player, yeah, yeah, if you exactly have the money, spend it. But if, what strikes me about it. the Koulibaly <laughs> deal, Carl, is like, if you ask anybody who watched a ton of Serie A last season to tell you the two best centre-backs in Serie A last season, nobody is naming Koulibaly other than Napoli fans. Nobody. The two names you will hear over and over again are Bremer, who's gone to Juventus, and Fikayo Tomori, who Chelsea had and let go. Mm. Like, to me, I look at Chelsea and I think, you were losing Christensen and Rudiger. You'd be so much better off if you just had Tamori and Guehi to step into the breach. Two players that you sold for about the same as you paid for Koulibaly. And you'd have Levi Colwell and you'd have Nathaniel, uh, you'd have um, Trevor Chalaba. You know, you could buy one young centre back and build a long term defensive base with that group and instead of spending 60 million on Cucurella you could have gone and bought Angelino for 18 million or David Rom for the same kind of money or Borna Sosa for 25 million and pumped that rest of that money into other areas of the team but like I said if you have the money spend it great but we know that they don't actually have this money all of this money is coming mm. from a loan well, I think the other part of that is that they're not necessarily building a base. They're building for Thomas Tuchel because Thomas Tuchel's the one deciding who they go and sign this summer because he's yeah. having to have, obviously, a much, much bigger say. So he has absolutely no interest in building a base for the next manager to come along and succeed off. He wants players who he thinks are going to enable him to win titles now. The, the thing is, I think if he went to Todd Bowley when Bowley took over and said, look, I want to run this club for the long term, I want to be here long term. I want to commit my next 10 years to this club in partnership with you. I want us to build something special at Chelsea. I want us to focus on youth. I want us to finally make take advantage of the fact that we have the best academy in Europe who are churning out players at a frightening rate. Not all of them will be good enough to start, but they'll be really good squad players or they'll be players we can sell off for for a premium and reinvest that money. And we can run this club smarter, 
We can run it more like Liverpool, which is the stated aim of Todd Bowley, is to run the club like us, hence his flirting with Michael Edwards. I think Bowley would have said, you want to stay here long term? Sign us up. Sign us up. Because whoever is advising Bowley on football will have told him, you're not finding a better manager than this guy. Like, he is one of the best managers in the world. You're not getting Klopp. You're not, Conte's not coming back. You're not getting Pep. And I really don't think Diego Simeone is coming to Chelsea. So, outside of those four, Thomas Tuchel's about as good as you're going to get. I think he could have gone a different way, but he's decided, like you said, he wants to win titles in the short term. And fair play. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Um, Two deals of players who were in the Premier League last year and have left. One is Christian Benteke off to DC United. How do you think he'll do in MLS? Um, as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer once famously said, I couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, Adamola Luckman going from Leipzig to Atalanta. Leicester had wanted to keep him, but didn't have the finances or whatever. So he's already started quite well at Atalanta. One non-Premier League move, but a former Premier League player that I want to get your view on. Uh, Ginny Wijnaldum, PSG to Roma on loan. Now, Roma have had an interesting summer. They got Dybala. Now they've got Ginny. What do you think of them, and what do you think of him going there? So I don't mind the move there. I think he probably did need someone who could... Um, you know, put a bit of trust in him as a as a midfielder because it seems to be what he is and wants to be now. Um, we'll wait and see. I think if that means that he's someone coming in because Zaniolo is going to go. Obviously, there's been rumours about him all summer long uh, between Juve and Spurs. How he fits into this Roma side? Basically, if anyone's not really watched them over the last sort of year or so, they play a three four three more or less. The attacking lineup or alineation or whatever does revolve quite a lot. So it can be one behind two, it can be two really wide players, or it'd be two behind one, which is more or less what they do now with Dybala Zaniolo behind Tammy Abraham. So where does Genie fit in that? He can obviously play in one of those two ten roles, as he has done for uh, yeah. Netherlands, or he can be in for Brian Cristante, who I'm not a massive fan of, but is a really important part of their team from a tactical perspective, from uh, ball winning and just everything really just does a lot of work in that central midfield. He's not a really flashy player. He's not a very um, high profile name within the team. I think a lot of this sort of matches up with how Wijnaldum was at Liverpool, to be honest. But I don't honestly know if Mourinho sees him as one of the centre mids or one of the attacker mids where he used to play, of course. So it should be a pretty interesting one. I do think he'll do well there. It seems to be the sort of quite gritty, uh, hard-working, technically good, but not always very, very offensive-minded team where Wijnaldum should do pretty well in, I think. Mm. Uh, he's a he's a really decent addition. They've made a few signings this summer who should make the team a lot more interesting to watch. I'm not really sure about the Matic signing. I think that's just like some agreement that Mourinho and him have that they'll just play and join up together and work wherever they both are going. Yeah. yeah, it's like the new... Or the Continental Harry Redknapp Nico Kranjkar sort of deal. So it's a, it's a little bit weird, but I don't think Matic will start too many games anyway. Wijnaldum should do once the season goes on. Mm. I, I like what they've done. I, I think bringing in uh, Zeki Chalik as the right wing back is a good move. Gives um, competition to Rick Karsdrop. They've got good options as as the for the left wing back position with with Vigna and Spinazzola. So that's pretty strong. If they've got a three-man midfield rotation of Pellegrini, Cristante, and Ginny, again, I think that's that is strong. 
But you're you're gonna hate this. This is this is just a completely off the wall shout. Ginny started as a winger, became a number ten, became a number eight, became a more defensive number eight, and played as a six for us. You know what the natural thing for him to do next is is to drop back in between the two centre backs and play as a sweeper. Uh, he's got the intelligence and the uh, ability to do that, but he won't do that. But it's a really, I, I really like this team. I don't think they'll win the league. I don't think they'll come close to winning the league, but I think they can get top four this year. That front three of Dybala and Zaniolo behind Tammy is really, really exciting. And if Pellegrini's then bursting from midfield to join that, that's a lot of firepower. If they can be strong defensively with Ibanez and Kumbala and Mancini and obviously Chris Smalling there as well, um, who's another one Mourinho just seems to have fallen in love with despite some quite obvious flaws in his game. It's pretty strong. Like I'm, It's a pretty strong team. Yeah, they're decent depth there now. And I think um, I'm a little bit surprised that um, Mash Kumbala hasn't become like an absolute guaranteed rock-solid star for them. But, you know, like you said, there's, there's depth there. And Spinazzola obviously back to full fitness this season, who was missing last year for after his uh, Euros injury as well, of course. So if they get him back up to full power as the rampaging wing back that we know he can be, then yeah, top four is definitely a, a target. I'm not 100% sure who I see dropping out. I suppose Napoli might be most in danger at the moment. But again, mm. if they just feed everything through um, Osiman, then they can, they can be a lot more dangerous in attack than Roma can on performance level rather than personnel. Yeah, his fitness is, is key um, for Napoli. Nothing on August 6th. August 7th, just the one arrival into the Premier League. Uh, a goalkeeper you have seen a lot. Uh, Neto, formerly of Valencia, then of Barcelona, now Bournemouth. Um, I've never been a fan. What do you think of him? He's all right. I mean, he got wages which were probably about 400% inflated above his actual level of ability while he was at Barcelona, and fair play to him. Um, if anybody continues to question in the future how Barca managed to get themselves in such financial dire straits, you can just point them to the fact that they had this backup goalkeeper on their books for however many seasons on about £140,000 a week, barely mm. playing ever. Um, there's your starting point. Um, I, I mean, I like him. I don't think he's bad at all. He's not great, but I did think that he might get in the team ahead of David Raya. So again, we'll see if that one develops as the season goes on or he's just on a backup tour of Europe. So he was at Fiorentina as a backup for three years, became the starter, joined Juve, was the backup there for two years, joined Valencia, was the starter for two years, and spent three years at Barcelona, played 21 times, 12 of which came in one season, and never ever threatened to become the number one, despite the fact that in the last two seasons, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen went from being probably a top five goalkeeper in the world at worst. I think for a period he was probably top two or three. Um, to being, well, he's been really poor the last two years. And he's been somewhat of a liability. And yet they still didn't look to bring Neto in, which tells you, you know, what his level has gone to or what they viewed him as. And as he said, 140 grand a week uh, to twiddle his thumbs, really. That's that's some solid work from Barcelona. Um, August 8th, 
couple of big ones here. So Marcus Sinisi from Feyenoord to Bournemouth. I quite like him. I think he's a good centre-back, especially in a three. And I think him in the middle of a three with Lloyd Kelly on the left is a strong basis. I don't know who they'll play on the right. Chris Metham's not great. Jefferson Lerma's played centre-back the last two games. He's not a centre-back. So they probably need to bring in one more. Um, but have you seen much of Sinisi at Feyenoord? What, what do you make of him as a signing for Bournemouth? It's good to see them at least been ambitious and spending 15 million, I think, on, on a good centre-back. Yeah, as long as he's a good fit, because we've seen them spend big money on, on people before, saying nothing at all about uh, coming directly from Liverpool or not. And uh, they didn't quite work out on those occasions. So um, it's <clears throat> not quite in Nottingham Forest realms of refreshing the side, let's say, at least not yet. But they're getting there. You know, they've added a few quite important bits now, I think, and they definitely needed more depth in defence if they're going to be playing three all the way through the season. So we will see. I, I, I'm with you. I don't want Jefferson Lerma playing right centre-back. No. Um, I, I, get him in midfield or don't use him at all. But I don't know, maybe he maybe improved last season because obviously Championship wouldn't have watched as much. But um, the best parts of his game and the worst parts of his game sometimes collide into giving away free kicks. And if that is still the case, I would say don't put him too close to the end of the penalty box. Yeah, I think if you were doing a Jefferson Lerma scouting report, very aggressive would figure prominently in, in your opening stanza. Um, this one, I think, has been a while coming in terms of this player leaving this club, this club evolving beyond this player, especially under a manager who wants to play it back for to which this player is not suited. Connor Cody on loan to Everton. Now, it's it's the loan aspect of this that's a little bit surprising for me that Wolves didn't push for a permanent move. It's unusual to loan out your club captain. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Um, I think it's interesting that the only reason he would have left is because he was told he wasn't going to be playing anymore. Mm. You know, if it was just a case of you know, that first game week and he was told, and you know, you're not going to play this week. You're captain. You'd stay. You'd been there long enough. The big favourite of the fans. Of course, you would stay and fight for it. Unless you've been told, you're not going to play, mate. Sorry. So yeah. if that's the case, he knows that it's because it's come to a back four. So Wolves, who own him and who he's the captain of, don't think he's suited to that. But Everton do. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I, I appreciate Lampard's got to say, you know, the right stuff when he's bringing in the new player and all the rest of it. But I'm sure... I'm absolutely sure he knows and he is fully aware of the fact he is not bringing him in to play in a back four. It's, I'm, I just, I will not have that. That's just too weird. Agreed. This is it. If you're bringing Connor Cody in, you are committing to playing a back five. If he is going to play, you're playing a back five. It is just that simple. The only alternative is you're going to sit him in midfield and hope for the best because he can't play as a centre back in a four. Wolves under Nuno tried to move to a four and it was a train wreck because Cody couldn't adapt to it. Bruno Lage had never played a back four in his life before he got to, to Wolves last season and had to play it all season long. And he's looked at his squad this summer. He's looked at... A three, uh, you mean? Or he's never played a three, sorry. Yeah. He's never played a three before. But he looked at Nathan Collins, who he signed... He looked at Max Kilman, who was outstanding the last two seasons. Uh, Toti, the young Portuguese centre-back, who looks promising. And uh, Yerson Mosquera, the Colombian that they brought in last year, who was injured for quite a bit of the season. He's looked at all of them 
and thought, these are my centre-backs for the year. These are the guys I'm going to have because they can all play in a four. And I'm committing to a four now because it also suits Nuri more as a fullback. I think it will suit Semedo more. You've got Johnny Castro that can cover both sides. I think he's made a decision to go to a four. And unfortunately, there's just no room for Cody. And with the World Cup coming up, Cody probably sees himself as a player who wants to be in that squad. So it makes it does make sense for Cody. It makes sense for Everton to bring him in if they're going to play a five. I, I just think Wolves letting him go on loan. You know, you probably could have gotten ten million for him, which you'd be better off doing than having him on loan. Because if if they have a bad stretch this season, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be some fans that are going to say, "Well, why is Connor Cody out on loan? Why, why don't we bring back Connor Cody?" And that's a step backwards. Wolves made a step forwards, though, in signing a player you have long fawned over in Mr. Guedish from Valencia, £27.5 million, I believe. Mm. Uh, this is quite an exciting move for them. What are your thoughts? A hefty fee, that's for sure, given um, not so much him, but given Valencia, I think, over the last few years. He is or he has, I should say, been playing as a centre-forward more than a left-sided winger um, over the last year or so, an awful lot more. Uh, Valencia obviously played 4-4-2 for most of the time and then a bit of a 4-4-1-1 as well, but he was basically one of the two forwards anyway. He was playing very, very central as opposed to in off the left, which he had done previously. He is still a little bit inconsistent in front of goal, I have to say that. He has not benefited from a very, very consistent team, consistent build-up play, not even really consistent teammates around him at times because there's so much chopping and changing there. Uh, and even the the more in-favour players, a couple of them had injuries last season, a couple of them became not in-favour players. And very, very quickly that happens at Valencia. Um, so I think he'll benefit probably from a bit more structure here. I'm not 100% convinced he's going to play centre-forward if they're just going to play 4-2-3-1. We'll see. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll be the, the starter one there and they're going to bank on loads and loads of rotational positions with um, Neto, with Podence and the rest of them. And they mm. can certainly do that. There's obviously got, got to be a pretty good understanding. Um, but they needed some attacking outlets. And Gerdes, to be fair, even though he's not the best finisher, he is someone who will relentlessly shoot. If he's yeah. you know, given that instruction that you know, you've know you got to lead the line, so run the channels by all means, take on players by all means, try and link players by all means, but what he will do is always look to get shots away, even if it's like quite from range, maybe a few players in the way defensively. Uh, he's, he's definitely very, very proactive about his um, taking on shooting opportunities. I hope he does really well, obviously. I, I've liked him for a long, long time. Like I said, I think he missed the boat to, to get as good as he could have been because of Valencia being an absolute shambles after he joined them permanently. Um, but he's still a very good player and he can obviously go still you know, quite a bit higher than he has done so far because he's not exactly old or anything, is he? So we no. could see a slow adaptation process, I guess. But when you consider that he's basically going to be playing with Portuguese players in every single direction mm-hmm. around him, maybe it'll be a bit of a smoother transition as well. Yeah, I'm quite excited. We'll come back to Wolves because they've got one more that I want to talk about later on. Uh, August 9th, Amadou Onana to Everton. 33 million. He turns down West Ham. I think it's a great signing for Everton. 
I think he has made a bit of a mistake, though. I think he would have been better off going to West Ham to play for Moyes and play next to Declan Rice and learn from Rice and Suchek. But maybe Everton could offer him more uh, playing time, you know, guaranteed playing time. Um, Had you seen much of him at Lille? What was your thoughts? Uh, not loads, because obviously he wasn't in the team all the time. Mm. Um, he was, you know, kind of in and out and starting some, not really playing the full nineties and that kind of thing. I, I did watch his debut, obviously coming on against, um, help me out here, Aston Villa, of course, and uh, that that was a quite the introduction. Um, actually, while we're still on that game, we might as well just touch on the fact that it was probably noteworthy when Everton were chasing the game late on, and Lampard went to a four-two-three-one. It was Cody who came off, uh, so it wasn't like you know we'll we'll leave him there because yes he can play in yeah. a back four. It was him who made way and Tarkovsky and Mason Holgate. I want to say remained as the centre backs. Um, Onana came on and was at fault for one of the goals you know, for Emi Buendia's second goal. Um, he sort of lost possession in midfield, but he was to be fair absolutely monstrous. He was really really. Uh, taking the game to Aston Villa, he was ball carrying was brilliantly. He got himself into the box. I would say more times in that ten, twelve minutes that he was on the pitch. Well, there was a lot of injury time in that game, so probably closer to twenty minutes. Probably more in that twenty minute spell than I'd seen Deli Ali do. So in probably the last three or four times I've watched him play, uh, and when you consider that that's one of the big traits that Ali used to have, yeah, kind of shows you how far off the pace that he is at the moment. And uh, Onana. Probably in partly to try and make up for his mistake for the gold, to be fair. But you know, he got it back. He, he was the one who created Everton's what turned out to be a consolation anyway. Um, so it looked like he'll have a big impact for them. If he has that kind of powerful performance in midfield from the start, I would imagine he'll be a fan favourite very, very quickly. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so as well. I, I would have liked him at Liverpool. I think he's um, the profile of midfielder that we could have been looking at having missed on Chuameni. But so be it. Uh, and I think you're right. What like it was Cody that came off, and it was notable that w- when they went to that four, they weren't going to trust Connor Cody uh, to play. Um, moving on, then August tenth, two deals I do like. It's the Diop from West Ham to Fulham. Now Diop has obviously had a bit of a, a decline. Would be decline maybe over the last couple of years at West Ham. That first season <clears throat> that he was there. If you remember, at the end of it, Manchester United tried to buy him and were offering over £50 million. Uh, He never recovered that form, and now he moves on to Fulham at £15 million. I think Diop and Tosin is a fairly strong partnership. They'll have pace. They'll be good in the air. They both make some mistakes on the floor, but they're two good centre-backs, and it's a better base for Fulham. To have those two with Leno behind and say Mbappu and Robinson as the fullbacks, it's a it's a pretty strong defense. In theory. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, yeah, in theory. We'll see. Um I, I, I like the way that you hesitate over saying he's declined over the last couple of years because the truth is we don't know because he hasn't really been playing. Um I therefore expect that it will take a little bit of a while for him to get back up to speed, form a new partnership, or the rest of it. But in general, yeah, he was a really good defender. There was a, a point when I definitely wouldn't have minded him being like Liverpool's fourth one, for example, before we'd gone and got um, Kanati. Uh, probably the year before that, in fact, yeah. So 
in theory, like you say, very, very good. Remember seeing him play more on the right, where Tolson obviously plays for them. So we'll see if he can adapt or whether they're going to go to a three as well or what it is. You know, there's there's plenty of options there for them to switch things around. But at the very least, again, you're talking Premier League quality. At the very least, mid-table Premier League quality. And when you're coming up, that's something you need to do. It's not just add numbers. It is add people who are going to make your team not the three worst sides in it. So if you're adding players who are, you know, around 12th, let's say, for someone like Bernd Leno, and then you can do the same in front of him as well, then you're, you're taking good steps towards making yourself safe, I think. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, next up then, Brentford, Mikel Damsgaard for £15 million coming from Sampdoria. They had a need in midfield with Eriksen having left, and they've been you know, a, a very good base for Danish players. He'll join a strong Danish culture there with the manager and with the likes of Norgard and Jensen and others. Uh, I like the signing. What do you think? Uh, well, firstly, I'll have to apologise to all Brentford and Bournemouth half-supporters because I said Raya instead of Travers earlier on. Guys told me off in the background, so apologies for that. I got my... Uh... Cherries and bees mixed up. Apparently, I don't know how I missed. Up. I don't know how I missed that because Mark Travers is you... an Irish, Irish goalkeeper, so I'm contractually obliged to yeah, defend yeah. him at all costs. And you do usually really enjoy pointing out my mistakes as well, so it's a, a double oversight from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't actually see too much of Dan's guy play. To be honest, there was obviously during the Euros, he was then linked with I think about 700 teams for about 700 million, and opted to stay. Obviously, and I, like I say, I didn't see too much of him, so I'm not sure how. He actually played last year if he was, I think he had a couple of injuries as far as I remember reading, but a uh, really, really interesting addition. Obviously, we know that Brentford, not Bournemouth, Brentford's signings tend to be very, very well thought out and very well matched up to what they were. Obviously, they had a, a, a very big Danish playmaker spaced hole in the squad as well. Um, so he fills that void very, very nicely and a little bit younger and probably a lot more of a sell-on fee, you would imagine, if he hits the heights he's capable of. Yeah, I think that's obviously the plan with all uh, Brentford signings is get them in the door, develop them, and sell them on at a profit. And it's something that has worked for them in the past and something I expect to continue to work for them. Uh, We had nothing on the 11th. uh, Pablo Mari going to AC Monza on loan about the notable transfer. On the 12th, Leicester made their first signing of the summer. Alex Smithies, who'd had a failed trial at Bournemouth, which led to the Neto signing. Uh, he signed on to be, I assume, their third-choice goalkeeper, and not a whole lot else happened. And the 13th, then, things got a little bit busy again. Nottingham Forest, because when there's a gap in the transfer market, Nottingham Forest will be the team to fill it, announcing not one but two signings very late on a Saturday night. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis from Watford for twenty million. I really like this deal. And then they also announced Czech Decoure, and I also really like that deal because he can be extra cover in midfield and he can fill in at the back. I think he's a clever signing. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two, and then on Forest as a whole? Um, so Kiate fine in terms of Premier League, and we know what he is, and. I think we spoke about it before on Scouted. I actually quite like how he transitioned into a centre-back more than in central midfield in the end with Palace. So maybe he's an option for them at the back rather than in midfield. 
uh, I really liked the balance of the team that they had against West Ham. It was like quite aggressive in midfield. It was obviously very, very energetic. First game in front of the fans and all the rest of it. Um, I'm not 100% sure Kuyate therefore has an immediate and obvious fit in the midfield. I didn't really know too much about um, is it Lewis O'Brien when they signed from Huddersfield. Yes. Um, but he played really well. Um, he Ooh. had a very, very good game in there in midfield and they've got quite a lot of options in there um, for, for the centre of the park now. So I don't know that, like I say, Kuyate will play too much in there, but definitely bringing up two championship defend- defenders in your back three might not always be the way to go. So again, it might be that he plays a little bit more centre-back rather than centre-mid for them. We'll see. Um, the other one's just such a good buy. I think anyone who got any of the three of them from Watford, to be fair, we're going to be doing pretty good deals this summer. Um, Sa, Pedro and Dennis. So I think he makes a lot of sense as uh, an alternative for Brennan Johnson in particular. Someone who's going to like be able to run the channels and carry the ball really well. You know, we know Brennan Johnson was very, very much in demand this summer. And if they hadn't have come up, they well, first of all, they wouldn't have bought all these players anyway. But they would have definitely had to sell him. So yeah. Brennan Johnson has a decent summer uh, season this year. They're still going to probably have to sell him next year. So that kind of future proofs him as a, a ball carrier and outlet. They need depth, obviously, if they want to play the same way and be quite competitive in outside the bottom three and sort of into that sort of 15 to 12 category at the very least, I suppose, which seems to be where they're aiming now, considering the number they've done overall. Yeah, I mean, I really like the recruitment. I think it's all quite pointed. I think every player is signed for a purpose. I've seen some people accuse them of being quite scattergun, and I don't see that. Now, they are being linked with Mopay and Hossie Maurer at the minute, and Again, they do fill needs in the squad, you know, like more depth up front, more depth behind Lingard. Um, they've got another player we might as well talk about now. Uh, they signed on the Sunday, and that was Remu Froiler coming in from Atalanta. And again, I just think it's a really good signing. Yeah, so I think he is much more the type of midfielder we'll see playing for them there than Kuyate was mm. with Crystal Palace towards the end, for example. I think he's much more... Um, very, very sort of holding, short ball playing, ball winning, organisation, all those kinds of things are what he was sort of most important for Atalanta for for, for quite a while, to be fair. Uh, so I could definitely see him playing an awful lot, and especially, like I say, with people like um, O'Brien coming up from the championship, that kind of thing. You need, obviously, some elite or formerly elite, elite level performers to go alongside them, to teach them to come in against certain opposition. I'm sure there will be games where they don't play a Jesse Lingard and they play uh, much more of a 3-5-2, but with two of the midfielders being very, very defensive-minded and then the other one is just a, a combination player, an outlet, a box-to-box, that kind of thing. So you won't necessarily have a an outright number 10 in every single match. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. Um, like to, to come up into the Premier League and put together a midfield group of Freuler, who's proven at the very highest level, Mangala, who has impressed in the Bundesliga, Lewis O'Brien, who's impressed in the Championship, Ryan Ray, Ryan Yates, who you had already, Koyate, if you need him as a fifth option, and potentially Hossimauer as well, who can play in central midfield or the more advanced role, and then Lingard in the advanced role. Like that is that is really really ambitious recruitment and you, you do have to admire it 
And the thing I really like about it is you go through the signings they've made. They're not, other than Lingard, who's on a one-year deal, like they won't be committing enormous wages to these players. So it's not like a thing where if they go down, they'll struggle to sell them. If they go down, they'll find a buyer for Remy Freuler in June. They won't have to wait till the end of the window. Someone will want him because he's a very good operator. So all things considered, I think it's really clever. Um, on to the 16th then. Uh, Purvis Estupinen to Brighton from Villarreal as a replacement for Cucurella, formerly owned by Watford, had a couple of really good loan spells while he was there. One at Mallorca, one at Osasuna. He's gone to Villarreal. He's a bit too adventurous as a left-back for the taste of um, your favourite manager, Unai Emery. So he's played a bit as a winger. But I think as a wing-back, I think he's perfect for Brighton. I think him and Lamptey as a, a tandem could be a lot of fun. Yeah, really rapid. Very, very good ball carrier again. Um, lots of the same traits that we've spoken about for quite a lot of the players who fill this kind of place for, for Brighton, to be perfectly honest. Um <sighs> I think it's a very, very good buy. I don't think he was used well um, at Villarreal in general. Like you say, he's, he's much more of a an outlet player. He's always really been a wing-back, not in a back four. So it should suit him really well as long as they don't, as Brighton obviously have done, try and put him, you know, right-sided centre-back or, well, sorry, left-sided centre-back or left of a back four. They've chopped and changed an awful lot around there. But I think they seem to be maybe a little bit better balance this year in terms of the, the back five players that they have now. So I wouldn't be surprised if another year down the line, Man City and Chelsea are linked with this kind of player as well. Yeah, I, I do think that's a good shout. Uh, two other left-backs. Yesterday was the day of left-backs. Uh, Sergio Gomez to Manchester City for £11 million from Anderlecht. I haven't watched a whole ton of him, but he is highly regarded. And apparently he is going to be City's backup left-back this season. And they're not going to look for a more senior figure. So, obviously, Guardiola has has high hopes for him. Yeah, I mean, he was really highly rated as a kid. Uh, I mean, as a teenager, obviously, coming out of Barcelona. But he's now played for, what, two, three, is he on his fourth, fifth club, fourth club, fifth club, something like that. And he's still pretty young. Like, so he does need now, I think, to, if they're not going to loan him out, then obviously you're talking about a two, three year period for him to get up to speed and become a first team player for them. Because I don't see him going straight from Anderlecht straight into Man City's team on a regular basis. If they're not going to buy anybody else, you're pretty much hoping that Cancelo doesn't get injured at all, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You are because... Canseo is also going to have to be your, excuse me, your backup, um, your backup right back. Uh, and then Destiny Adoji from Udinese to Spurs. He's gone back on loan for a year. He was another one who was linked to Brighton. Uh, very, very promising young player, but very young and, and obviously one for the future. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen much of him for Udinese last season. No, not enough now. No idea. No. And then lastly, uh, confirmed today, Tilo Carrer from Paris Saint-Germain to West Ham United. Now, I think this is a bit of a sidewards move for West Ham to, you know, sell Diop and get him. But they make five million in the process. He's a player who was super highly regarded when he broke through at Schalke, moved to PSG too early, 
has spent a lot of his time playing out of position as a right back. Uh, but I do think he's a decent player. He is a good player. He's not a PSG level player, and he never no. was, to be honest. He was he was good when he was in Germany, and he needed a step higher than he was, but not that high. He was never going to be a starter there. Um, West Ham's probably a good scene for him, to be perfectly honest. I think the best thing about him for West Ham right now is how versatile he is. He has played all the way across the back line, both full-back sides. Uh, he, when he was in Germany, played holder midfield as well, so... I, I mean, I don't expect him to play in the, in the in the double pivot or anything like that. But given the amount of injuries that they have at the moment uh, in Europe, obviously they've got suspensions everywhere because last season when they were going out, everyone just decided to get themselves sent off, including David Moyes. So at least for the qualifiers, we might see him just pop up anywhere and all over the shop. I think it was who was it? It was Johnson started centre back. In fact, wasn't it the weekend? Yes. So you know, they, they they very much need somebody to come in and be able to play there straight away. But I would probably expect him to play as many occasions this season, not centre-back, as a centre-back. Yeah, and he does give them the nice option of going to a three with him and Agard once he's fit, either side of Zuma, which is a nice little uh, tactical option for Moyes. Uh, one other deal that should get confirmed later today or tomorrow then, Matthias Nunes from Sporting Club de Portugal to Wolves in a deal that is done only to hurt me. Uh, I think this is an absolutely incredible get for Wolves. I think this guy is absolutely outstanding. I think him and Neves as a pair will be perfect together. Neves to sit, to hold, to control the midfield. Nunes to go box to box, add ball carrying to Neves's passing ability. You put them to as a double pivot with Den Donker and Germatinho as depth, that's really strong. You've got the options then of playing either Daniel Pedence or Morgan Gibbs-White as your number 10. You could play Neto off the right with Guedes off the left. And all of a sudden, Wolves are looking really strong in the middle of the park. The question will be who's getting the goals for them I don't know that Huang is somebody I'd rely on to get more than 10 to 12. And obviously Raul Jimenez just hasn't looked the same since his head injury. He's injured again. But I I kind of feel like if Wolves could add a decent striker from here, I think they'd be a real threat to push for Europa League because the defence is going to be strong because Laj sets up his defence well. Collins is a big upgrade on what they had there last year. Nuri's a year older and a year better. Semedo comes back into the team. The midfield is massively upgraded. They could go with a three-man midfield of Gibbs-White, Neves and Nunes, which I think could be sensational. Power and drive plus the passing ability of Neves. And then play Neto and Guedes as inside forwards, inverted like R2 used to be. And maybe if they do that with Jimenez. That might work best for what they have, but if they could add a striker, I, I really start to like this Wolves team. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a fantastic signing for them, no question. I mean, we may actually have to start calling them Portugal instead of Wolverhampton at some point because it's yes. getting a bit ridiculous now. Um, really, really quality player, and I would absolutely look forward to watching him in the league. I wonder, the only thing is, 
it's going to take a little while, obviously, for them to get to you know peak understanding and all the rest of it. Um, how how solid I think they're going to be if they've got a Nunez Neves partnership in midfield defensively, if they're under sustained periods of possession, uh, sustained periods of obviously defensive um, work and organisation. I'm not hundred percent sure that that might need a little bit of work. Maybe we'll see them play with somebody just a little bit behind them as well at times, Dendonka or someone like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, in general, I mean, it's it's looking a lot better than it was last year, a lot more well-rounded throughout the squad. Yeah, I, I think they've done really well. I think it's great to see them backing Bruno Lage because I, th- I think he is a very, very good manager. I, I saw some people say he's one of the favourites to get sacked first, like before they'd made these last two signings. And I just never saw that. Because I think he's too good to get them into a relegation mess. And I think they're just very, very lucky to have a manager of his calibre at that club. Um, I've got one one deal that's just been done uh, on the continent today before we go on to the Man United rumours to finish. Okay. Tangi and uh, Nianzu has joined Sevilla. Yeah. He's been uh, for two years after they got him from PSG and didn't play him a whole lot. I think he's really good, Carl. I think he's mm. really, really good. And I don't know that Bayern haven't made a mistake here because I, I get the reasoning behind them signing um, Matthias De Ligt. I, I get you gambling on his potential. But Upa Meccano ended last season playing really well and has begun this season playing really well. Lucas Hernandez is outstanding. Did you need another centre-back? You had those two, Nianzu and Pavard. I get that you lost Nicolas Sula in the summer. You could have replaced him with, you know, just a cheap option as your fifth centre-back. I don't know that this is the right move to have bought Delict and sold Nianzu for $20 I think it's... 40 million that you could have used elsewhere in your team. Now, they might be quite happy with it, but I do think they'll come back and regret this one. I think Nianzu is going to be really, really good for Sevilla. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, it might take him a little bit of time to get into the team, even if it's a year or so. He signed a five year deal there, and I would expect him to play an awful lot more at Sevilla than he did at uh, Bayern. And I would say that this one probably rectifies the error of signing Isco as well. Um, now, I'm going to turn the podcast on its head here for the last question, because at the end of it, I'm just going to go, yep, fully agreed. So I'm doing the question and you can do the answer and go wherever you want to go. <laughs> Tell me, how do you go from need in a midfielder and your progression is Frankie de Jong, Adrian Rabio, Casemiro? The floor is yours, my friend. Oh, it's... Uh... Do you know what? So... I heard this rumour last night. It, it started to go around last night. And I, I, I was looking at it and thinking, right, well, you know, he's probably running out his contract and maybe he'll be 40 to 50 million, but he's going to want mega wages and he's 30. He'll be 31 soon enough. And the only reason Real would let him go is if they felt that he was going to go off the cliff the way they let Ramos go and were right. They let Varan go and were right. They let Cristiano go and they were right. All of those players, they had gotten the best of. They had nothing more to offer at the level they were at and they moved them on. So, you know, Casemiro, if they were letting him go, it would make sense. 
from their point of view, if he's passed his best, they've got Chouameni in. And then I saw reports that United were willing to pay up to 80 million euros for Casemiro and double his wages. Now he has got, he's been at Real nine years. There's no way he's taking home a penny less than 200 grand a week. So doubling his wages is 400 grand a week. And if we convert that from euros to uh, the Queen's pounds, it's probably what, 350, 360? You're going to pay 70 plus million and then give 360 grand a week to Casemiro, who is a very, very, very good player. Like one of the best defensive midfielders, certainly of the last 10 years. And I think you can make an argument that he's probably in the top 10 or 12 or 15 who've ever played that position. But you wanted Frankie de Jong. So you clearly wanted a ball progressor and a ball carrier. Then you move to Rabio, who I could kind of understand from a footballing perspective because he is a good ball progressor and a ball carrier. And he's 27, so, you know, you might still get a few good years out of him. Obviously, the wages scuppered that one, and he is meant to be a complete prick. And then you go for Casemiro, who he's very good on the ball, but he's a completely different profile of player. His age is all wrong. The fee is ridiculous. The wages will be ridiculous. Have no lessons been learned at all? I mean, Neville and Carragher went through United signings, and I went through them today on the day, on the two-footed pod. And, you know, Carl, when you look at their squad, it's not, it's not as bad as you think. It really isn't as bad as you think, because what you could do if you were being sensible is you'd take a look at United and you'd say, right, where are we? We're a sixth to eighth place team right now. Liverpool and City are clear of everybody. Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal are better than us. We're in a mix with, you know, your West Ham's and your Leicester's. And that's fair. That's where we are now. Which teams have rebuilt themselves in recent years and been able to go from where we are to where we want to be, which is winning league titles, win cha- winning Champions Leagues, and challenging every year. The only club that's done it is Liverpool. They're the only club that have gone from 6th to 8th to title and challenging in Champions League. So how did they do it? Well, they did it slowly. They did it in stages. They did it over a period of time. Klopp took over in October 2015, and the first time Liverpool challenged for the title was the 18-19 season. So maybe we take that type of timeline three to four years to build ourselves to that point. So what do we need to do? Well, the first thing we want to do is we want to figure out what do we have here at the club? Like, what do we actually have in this squad? And who who do we want to get rid of? Now, the obvious ones to get rid of, Cristiano, age, ego, awful fit, out the door. Wages, of course. Maguire. Age, profile, just not very good. Out the door. Find You will find a sucker. You will find a Frank Lampard to take uh, him off your hands. Lampard would love nothing more than a back three of Tarkovsky, Connor Cody and Maguire. He would love it. And then De Gea. Like he's the third sort of big problem. I, I'd throw Luke Shaw in as well. I think you could sell him to West Ham. But get... Get those three or four players out the door and let's start rebuilding. So what do we need? We need a backup. We need, we need a starting goalkeeper who can play as a sweeper. 
So let's find that player. That's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to find that player right now. And we're going to find a proper partner for Rafa Varane at centre-back. We're going to bank on Malashi at right-back. We'd like, oh, at left-back. We'd like a right-back, but maybe they're not available right now. So we'll just go with Deleuze for a while and Brandon Williams can back up both full-back spots. And it's not going to be great, but it'll be okay for a year. It'll help us establish how we want to play. Get your goalkeeper in, you get your, your centre-back in next to Ramos. That'll allow you to play your higher lock, excuse me, higher line and set out how you want to play. In doing this, you're taking Lisandro Martinez and you're plonking him in midfield and you're saying, you're now starting as our sitting midfielder. And next to you, we're going to try out what we have here. So we're going to try James Garner. We're going to try Hannibal Mejbri. We're going to try Fred. Uh, we're not going to try McTominay because he's awful, but we're going to keep him around because he can be useful. And your role, Lisandro, is you're going to sit in midfield and protect the defence. And you, other collection, your role is going to be go and win the ball back. When we lose the ball, you go and win the fucking thing back. That's it. Get the ball, win it back, give it to someone that can play. Nothing else. We're going to make two signings this summer. We're going to patch the rest together. We've got a really exciting line of three behind the striker in potentially Ahmed Diallo on the right, Bruno as the 10, and Sancho on the left. We've got a bunch of good young players like Shola Shortire, um, Garnacho. We've got Eriksen and Donny van de Beek as well. So we're set there. And then up front, it's going to be Martial or Rashford. They're going to rotate and we'll figure out who the w- one that works best is. And that's what we're going to do this year. That's what we're going to do this year. And we're going to give all these young players at the club a chance, a real chance. Facunda Palestri, you're going to get your chance. Uh, Tahit Chong, You've been waiting for years. We don't know if you're good enough. You're probably not, but you're going to get your chance. Ahmed Diallo, we spent 40 million on you. You're getting your chance now. And you're going to get a a season. We're going to just take this season and see what we have. We're going to buy two players that allow us to play the way we want to play. And the rest, we're going to figure it out as we go along. Because we're not under any pressure. We're not in a rush here. We're going to do this the right way. That's the right way to do it. To do it slowly. So next summer, then you go and you buy your right back. You go and you buy that ball-winning midfielder to go next to Martinez if he works there. And you're gonna, you go and you buy your nine. And all of a sudden, you've transformed your team and you look a much better unit. That's the right way to do it. Over two to three years. And then in year four, you should be up to speed with all those players having gotten used to each other and Diallo and... Sancho developing into the players they're going to be and the same thing at fullback and whatever. That's how you do it. The wrong way to do it is to go and spend 75 million on a 30-year-old holding midfielder who may be past his best and then give him an enormous contract so that even when De Gea's wages drop off the wage bill next summer, you're still lumbered with another albatross as you were with Pogba's contract, as you were with Alexis Sanchez's contract. Like, they just don't learn. They don't learn their lesson. I think Casemiro was a great player, but I still wouldn't buy him. Not in a... Unless I was a team... Do you know who I'd buy him for? I'd buy him for Chelsea. Because he's the type of player 
who could come in and give them that little raise and level, him and Kovacic in midfield, with James and Cucurella wide. We know the defence will be strong. The attack has Sterling now with Mount and Havertz. So they're going to get goals, maybe not enough, but they'll be a title challenger. Casemiro raises you from from third or fourth to title challenge. That's where what he can do for you. He can't raise you from sixth, seventh, or eighth to first. He can't do that. And by the time you build up the rest of the team to get them ready to be title challengers, he's going to be 32, 33, and in complete decline. And you're still going to be paying him 400 grand a week or 360 grand a week, whatever it is. It's just mind-blowing stupidity. But you know what the funniest part of it is, Carl? Is that all the fans who are currently crying about the owners, which they're right to do, they'll be pacified by that signing. They, they'll be placated. It, last year, look, at they brought in Varane and Cristiano and everybody was delighted. We're going to win the league. No, you're not. You're going to get worse. And I, I think Casemiro could actually make them worse over the long term. I think he could, he could be the type of contract that stops you getting into that title challenging mode. Seeing as Carl's had to go look at houses, I will jump in. Yeah, um, United, I mean, just for me, it's just kind of funny. It it is just funny because I agree with everything you said there, Dave. I think they're just doing this all backwards. There's no, like, I know we've we've laughed at Arsenal's expense in in the post-Wenger era because they've done things wrong, but even when it was going wrong, they hired... uh, Sven Midland, is how you pronounce it. The hired um, the hired Emery. There was clearly a strategy there, but they it went wrong. But there was a plan there. Then it went wrong. Uh, they got what's the ex player called, Dave? Edu. Edu, that's the one. They've obviously got Edu, and I know you don't rate him. But and they've got Mikel Arteta, who I don't think either of us rate as well. But there is a plan at Arsenal. Whether it'll work long term and turn them back into title contenders, that's another question. But you clearly see at a team like Arsenal, they've gone, we'll buy young, we'll buy usually British, but they've got to fit the ethos of what we're attempting to do. Whereas mm. you look at United, it's just the whim of the manager and then failing to do even that. It's just very odd. But you look at teams like Arsenal, similar situation with Wenger and Fergie. Obviously, Wenger didn't stick about because he went on to do other stuff within FIFA, whereas Fergie's there pulling the strings in the background. Arsenal have moved on into the modern days of football, whereas United are still acting like everything's on the manager's uh, shoulders. And, yeah, a club that's maybe stuck in the 2000s, whereas people said we were stuck in the 80s, didn't we, when, when the Premier League came about. So it's a similar situation. It very much is. United are still hanging on to past glories. Uh, I hadn't realised that match it was gone, so thank you, Carl. And thank you, Guy, for your assistance today and your input. And uh, we'll just leave it there then. We'll be back later this week to preview uh, Manchester United in a game in which, as bad as things are for us in the league right now, they're so much worse for them. If you need to cheer yourself up, just take a quick glance at the Premier League table. Believe me, it will cheer you up. See you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel 
so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.